1: He did. hello and welcome back to road overtime on road radio my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime Ireland. my co-host as always is sean siegel of course we have been running this series a bonus set of episodes for you along with our three shows per week we're going to try and do these each week up on to the season starts give you some more extra content while you are on the draft board. So in this particular one, we're joined by Anthony Amico and he can be found on Twitter at Amixta. A lot of fun on the draft board with him when we're on the clock trying to make those decisions. A lot of informative information shared by Anthony. So we are going to recap how the draft went, how things fell, and maybe if we went back again in a player versus player scenario, how we would make those decisions again in hindsight so that might help you make some of those decisions then in your own drafts or even in our own future drafts as well and um, so it's going to be fun i'm going to dive into it and share it with you straight away and here is our draft recap so guys the draft is in the books we have 20 rounds down we have obviously the option as well to Manage this in season, so it gives you that little bit of extra flexibility, um, and that did help us with the build as well with the uh the one quarterback option, um, as we went through it there. But I have to say, um, this is one of the one of my favorite lineups anyway so far this season, uh, in terms of some of the drafts we've done over the years. I think reflecting on it immediately after it, I think this is, uh, one of the better ones that I I've locked in terms of how I felt after it. I always feel like you're always going to feel pretty good, but. It felt like, outside of probably the um, the one pick in terms of the DJ Moore pick, that's probably the only one that we really messed out on all that much. Um, going through it, and we still did end up with Chase Claypool at that. I would have been happier to have DJ Moore, but outside of that, I think it's turned out phenomenally well with the the two tight ends, uh, Joe Burrow, and then the the wide receivers and the the running backs we put together. Um, picking out of the 11th spot, we were we were pretty happy that that's where we landed. But uh, Anthony, did you think it was going to turn out um, like this? And how how do you feel about the draft um, when it's over?
2: Well, I mean, there's just kind of this feeling, and I, I feel like we were talking about this before the show. Like, there's just there's just this feeling when you start going the zero RB path that like you can't possibly run pure at like every pick and get all these guys to to fall to you. And I I just feel like that is what happened. Like. Um, yeah, we missed out on more, but, but we got Higgins who's another one of those high upside guys. We, we got Burrow, I think, you know, later around or two later than we expected. Um, I know at least like from my perspective, we got a bunch of running backs with different profiles who are going to be intriguing and are going to be flexible for our lineup. Like I just, I don't know. I, I, I love this team. I love what we did. I, I think, I think we crushed this.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned there, Joe Burrow, Actually, That's a good point because of that nine, 10 range, we were, considering going quarterback and it meant that we went Pollard and Jones. Whereas if we had had taken Joe Burrow there, um we would have ended up then with a lot of there would have been options at the running back position, but not the same, I don't think, as the the two guys that we did get. So that worked out. So just Sean, before I get your thoughts, I'm going to run through the uh opening kind of portion of the draft with the, the wide receivers and tight ends that we went with. So we had Tyreek Hill Calvin Ridley, TJ Hawkinson, T Higgins, Chase Claypool, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, and LaVisca Chanel. So that's true eight rounds before we touched the running back position. But um, how were you feeling after that uh, opening eight rounds, Sean?
3: Well, as Anthony mentioned, this was a lot of fun. This is more or less perfect for us, right? We didn't get DJ Moore at that three, four turn, but I actually feel like T Higgins has more upside. And so I like. That selection there, I don't have as much Higgins because trying to get him kind of at ADP value has fouled up the actual selecting of him, which can be a little bit of a trap you can fall into that you want to avoid. One of the things that I like about this group of receivers is that it also allowed us to take the two tight ends, which is a huge part of dominating your FFPC league. The other element is that it gives us the depth now to where – We can handle a variety of different scenarios. We can handle our first-round pick getting injured. We don't want that to happen. But I've seen teams exactly like this. You know, that team that we referenced that Blair and I had, Julio Jones, was the first-round pick. And because of the structure, it was able to overcome that injury and still accomplish, you know, very impressive things. It allows us to make it through the buys, and it puts us in a position where if we've missed on a guy, that's not going to torpedo our team. You look at a lot of the other rosters, and if they missed – on one of their early wide receivers then suddenly the team is very very thin that's not necessarily the case for us the other element here is that we're trying to win the five hundred thousand dollars and you will hear people say well you can't do it without the running back who goes off in that particular playoffs and scores all of the points but what if that running back this year is a wide receiver right we saw the points that Devonte adams put up if he has one of those big games you know in week 16 instead of alvin Kamara, then we could be looking at this very, very differently. And you look at the points that some of the receivers scored in last year's playoff. After Kamara, it was receivers, right? And so if you can stack a couple of those guys together, then again, you're looking at the $500,000 and you don't want to leave it to luck. Be like, okay, well, maybe I hit on the one guy I picked. He's the high scorer. The thing about having Hill, Ridley, Higgins, Claypool, Judy, and Chenault together is that by midseason, and certainly by the time when we're having the race for the $500,000, we have a sense of which guys from that second group talking about Higgins, Claypool, Judy, and Chenault are the real stars. And especially, I think, if you're looking at Claypool, Judy, and Chenault, we'll know how those guys are being used. We'll know how well they're playing. We know how well their offense is humming. And we can pick the guys who are the perfect ones to fill in the flex and give us the four superstars. Again, when you're trying to win the $500,000, you want to have upside in those flex positions. You know, let's say we have four wide receivers who average – you know, 19 plus points a game in that three week stretch. Again, when you're talking about the ceiling, but it's not like we're asking them to to score 19 points a game for the entire season. We're asking them to do it for three weeks. And so by that time we know which ones of our players we want to deploy to get us into that situation. And so then the second question is, you know, which one of our running backs also sort of fit that bill.
1: Yeah. So if we go in then moving forward, we did start to get more running backs while we got, Zero at the start, so it wouldn't have been tough to get more running backs than the rest of the draft. But uh, we end up then with uh, Tony Pollard in the ninth round, uh, Ronald Jones in the tenth round, then Joe Burrow, Rondell Moore, Darrington Evans, uh, Chuba or Chuba Hubbard, uh, James White, uh, Harrison Buckner, then the Buffalo defense, Justice Hill, and then of course, we got KJ Hamler and then Ramondre Stevenson. So we did pick up uh, a lot more depth at the running back position as we went on, but I think. If we had to put it down on, on paper before the draft, some of the targets that we would have been looking to get at the running back position, I think we've hit probably on um, you know, four to five of our prime targets there as well through the through that kind of nine through fifteen range. So I think even at the running back position, we're we're in a pretty good place. Obviously the the wide receivers and tight ends are gonna bring this team to wherever it goes, but I think that second half of the draft fell pretty well for us and, and puts it in a very strong position at the, the running back room as well.
3: Anthony, go through the running backs with us. Explain to us how we're going to get the firepower we need at running back. And if you're willing to make the case for Ronald Jones, being the guy who is the mega scorer in the playoffs, who wins leagues for everyone, you know, we tend to think of Alan Kamara and the receiving upside, and that's why he's a superstar and it is why he's the superstar, but it was actually re- rushing touchdowns that made Alvin Kamara, the hammer back, the home run back, the $500,000 winning back in last year's playoff. There's no reason that Ronald Jones, with a Buccaneers offense that scores like that, there's no reason he couldn't score six touchdowns in week 16.
2: <laughs> I, mean, it's, it's, I mean, we're laughing, but it's not wrong. Like, yeah, exactly. Like I, this, is a, this is an offense that has tons of firepower. We saw last year, what they did after making the addition of Antonio Brown. I mean, they really kicked it up to another level in terms of their scoring. Um, And Jones was already having a really good season before he, you know, succumbed to injury and COVID uh, and then his kind of spot in the rotation took a hit from that. But, uh, you know, if we look back at the positives, we're talking about a guy who had tremendous, tremendous long runs. I mean, he had a 98 yard touchdown last year. He had multiple hundred yard games. Like this is someone who definitely can, uh, you know, get right back to that kind of production early in the season. And then who's not to say that, you know, Bruce Arians sees that and says, Oh, right. Like this is the guy. Like we're, we don't need Leonard Fournette to to come in and spell Ronald Jones. We have Gio Bernard to do kind of the dirty work in the passing game, but you know, Jones is going to be on the field. He's still going to probably get, you know, a couple targets a game, not, not a ton, but enough to to get you by if he's scoring those touchdowns and getting priority at the goal line in this offense. So, you know, I mean, we talk about six touchdowns in one game. Like, I mean, he could get six touchdowns over the course of the, of the, fan, of the playoffs, you know, in that all play round. And that's something that is going to be really, really, really critical for us.
3: How do you see some of the other running back seasons playing out? It's very easy to say, well, if Elliott gets hurt, if Henry gets hurt, what about the standalone value for those two players? And what about the talent level for them should fantasy drafters be looking at?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm someone that thinks that Pollard is going to have a role immediately with this team. I mean, the the Cowboys have already discussed that they would maybe like to give Zeke a little bit less work just to make sure that he's fresh for the postseason. You know, when when you have a team that's looking towards the playoffs, that does open up more opportunities to the RB2. And then you look at someone like Pollard, who we already have seen him flash big upside. We already saw him crush in, in his one start. Last year without Elliott, again, it, even if he's just getting a little bit more of the receiving work in this game, in, in this passing game, um, you know, that is going to give him a really, really good floor and still provide him with a nice weekly ceiling just because of how explosive Dallas is. So, um, you know, I really like him. Obviously, we're, we're kind of attacking more of the handcuff value with Evans uh, and with Hubbard a little bit later with our picks. But I, I do think we have two startable backs here with with Pollard. And with Jones, and I, and I think that James White adds that too for us. You know, we talked a little bit about during the draft where, you know, if Mac Jones is the quarterback, all of a sudden James White is very playable. But I, I think he just has like a very underrated ceiling in that scenario because we've seen him get these, you know, 10 target games, you know, high reception weeks. Uh, and we've seen him find the end zone a little bit more than I think people realize. So I, I think we've created like a really nice five running back set there um, before we get to those deep flyers. Yeah, I think there's some.
1: There is a bit of a, a floor where we can, you know, get through opening weeks, just even if they're not getting a huge amount of work. But we're in a situation where if anything happens to, you know, some of those, like if we look at the way this draft fell, McCaffrey went one, and uh, Henry went eighth, and we're in a situation then where if anything happens to either of those two guys, sorry, and Elliot went sixth, so that's three guys. It just puts you into, you know, that those guys will be going in the the fourth, fifth round probably at that point. And um, so I think we're in a, a really strong position. Sean, anything, uh, and I know we touched on it already, but anything that you would change on this roster if you, you went back and done it again?
2: Yeah, well, I,
3: listening to Anthony talk about Pollard, it, it just it brings up some of the seasons we've had in the past where you have guys who, you know, were not the focal point of the offense necessarily, but, you know, player like Sproles, a player like White, you know, top 10 finishes you've got a situation and it's easy to forget that Austin Eckler still scored a ton of points once Melvin Gordon came back. And so if we are projecting a little bit of a decline, if we are projecting a little bit of a combined workload, and if we're thinking about, you know, the game that Tony Pollard had last season was not with Dak Prescott. I mean, if this team goes out and scores 35 points a game, then, I mean, you suddenly are into the range where you could have that Gordon Eckler type of combination. You could have that, rookie season Kamara Ingram type of combination where the receiving back is actually a top 10 back. Right. And uh, that's definitely not being priced into what he's doing. When we look at where we would have done things differently, I think there are a couple of interesting spots. We could have waited at the Joe Burrow pick even later at QB. And we could have selected Justin Fields with the 14th round pick instead of Hubbard. Since those were sort of pivot selections in the draft, Anthony, I wanted to ask you kind of how you think it would have gone differently. Do you think that changes at QB would have given us even more upside? I mean, obviously, we love the way that it worked out. Is there any part of you that wonders how it would have worked out if we had made different choices at QB?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, we chose Burrow over Hurts also. Uh, which is another route that we could have taken um, and then obviously passing on field. So, yeah, I mean, I I think in these formats, like something that we've maybe seen over the last couple of years is that you still want guys who have access to, you know, big years at quarterback. You don't want to necessarily just punt the onesie positions when you're going zero RB. Um, But I like the way that Burrow complements Higgins in our lineup where now if, you know, if Higgins is going to have a great year, it, it's likely that Burrow will also. Um, so we're kind of getting, uh, you know, two bites at this, like, you know, up and coming Cincinnati offense. You know, if we take Hertz, um, you know, we leave ourselves exposed to maybe not getting uh, as much return, even if Hertz hits his ceiling uh, as we would with Burrow. And then as far as fields, like, I think, it, I think we're, we're okay to not, take him. I, I mean, I could see a team early in the season who drafts fields, uh, you know, team seven has fields. He has hurts fields and Watson. I mean, that's a team that could end up dropping Justin Fields uh, early on in the season. If, if this bears coaching staff says, no, like we're, we're going to continue to to work with Andy Dalton. Like we don't want to start the season with fields. We don't want to play fields at all. And then, you know, you get to, to mid year and all of a sudden he's on the waiver wire. That's someone that we can just go and pick up for free. So um I think not taking fields just gave our roster overall a bit more optionality
0: hey everybody this is Dave Cabin from the rotoviz flagship podcast just stopping by to say thank you for listening to rotoviz radio we're offering our listeners a special 10 percent discount when they use the promo code RV radio 2021 at checkout again That's 10% off a one-year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2021. Thanks for listening and keep on tuning in. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
1: Yeah, I think when I look at it as well, and I understand we could have waited, but when we look at who went after Joe Burrow at that particular point, um, we took Rondell Moore, who was probably somebody we were trying to decide between at that point. But if we had a... I I don't really know looking at who's gone in the next round and a half that we would have taken, that would have made our team better than it is with Joe Burrow. Um, And then if we had taken, say, Harcherfield over... Um, hubbard or evans is there somebody there sean who you can see who would have improved the final roster
3: no not exactly i think the interesting thing is if we had taken fields does hubbard or one of the other guys in bernard or gainwell lindsey you know do they come back around then you can take two of those guys so james white plus one instead of taking the early kicker obviously there in round 18 where we took justice hill we would have had a shot at a kicker that would have also been decent probably not what we're going to get from a harrison butker the other interesting point that i thought occurred was when we were debating whether or not to take fant or Chenault. obviously we were ecstatic that Chenault came back to us but we could have taken Chenault and tyler boyd or Chenault and debo samuel and then in round 12 Cole Komet goes after we selected Rondell Moore. That's maybe the only other spot where I look and like could switch players in and think, okay, well, maybe that scenario would be better. Uh, we sort of hinted at Komet a little bit there. Anthony, where are you in terms of those guys? Would you prefer to have a Tyler Boyd or a Debo Samuel and Komet, or do you prefer it with Fant and
2: then Rondell Moore, knowing we like all of those guys? <laughs> I, I think I, I think I like it the way that we did it. You know, if we go with the the two receiver, I think it just puts a little bit more pressure on us to get that tight end. You know, maybe we're not drafting Cole Komet in the twelfth round. Maybe we're taking somebody a little earlier. Maybe it's Komet, even that we're taking a little bit earlier. Um, but I, I like having that that depth at the tight end spot. You talked about the buys during the draft. I think it, it, it's such a good point. Um, and and Rondell Moore. I mean, who's to say that he can't? achieve at that Tyler Boyd level at that Debo Samuel level I mean I think that it's worth discussing if he is like kind of in that range maybe not so much Boyd but I think Samuel versus Moore is is kind of an interesting decision heads up you know let alone at you know a four round discrepancy so I mean I think that Moore is someone who immediately could could see you know eight targets a game or something in, in his best case scenario and you know they see him on the field and they're like oh like we don't want him just replacing the Larry Fitzgerald role. We want him revolutionizing kind of how we're using this in our offense um, and, and getting him tons of targets. So I like the way that we did it. I think that it, it gives us a better a better floor and a better ceiling, um, you know, weekly and through the buys. So, uh, yeah, that's how I feel about that.
3: Uh, this was a, a fairly running back heavy draft early, and more teams were going either running back heavy or a robust running back waiting a long time at wide receiver but Anthony there were two teams dream team out of the fifth slot and uh another team out of the ninth slot who did you know at least mild versions of zero RB. we have a team with Diggs, Kittle, Lamb, Cup, Allen to start and we have a team with Adams, Hopkins, Woods, Evans and then Gaskin, Odell, Beckham to start the first team, very, very exciting, has the upside QB. The second team has a bunch of these established veterans. What are your thoughts on going the zero RB route with the veterans there?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's fine if you're just looking at like projectable points, right? Like you're gonna look at a woods, you're gonna look at Nevins, an and you're gonna feel really good about kind of the points they're gonna provide for you. But it, I don't I'm not sure how frequently those guys are going to kind of exceed value. I mean, that's it's like such an easy trap, I think, to fall into because I, I mean I love those guys. Right, they produce every year, um, but I'm not positive they have quite the upside. And then we talk about I think the difference between a team like Team Nine and a team like Team Five, and, and kind of what we did was just having that, having that like perseverance through the receivers, uh, through the mid rounds, instead of pivoting to running back and going running back heavy. Uh, I think that's kind of where you get into some trouble with zero RB, and that's my fear for Team Nine. But I understand, obviously, the, the idea behind the draft. I think
1: um, when we look at, say, Team 9, for example, and you kind of hinted at it, so they start with the four running backs, they go Gaskin, they go back to Beckham, and it's kind of like from that point forward, they panicked um, that they had to just get all the running backs that were left on the draft board. Um, like in those from round 7 uh, through round 20, there's only one, two, three, four, five picks that aren't running back picks. So like they've finished the draft with those five wide receivers. So they've kind of started off going to try and fill the wide receivers up, but after that they just stopped it. And the other thing is then with the guys they took, for example, and I like James Robinson, but they took Robinson over Thomas and Fant, and then that left them in a situation where their tight ends are Henry and Ertz. So I think they've got themselves in a little bit of a hole just by, like you said, not kind of sticking with it through those middle to late rounds. Um I, I do think five has done a, a better build there overall. Um and I think out of all these teams, they're probably the most uh, similar to what we've tried to do here. Uh Sean, you mentioned uh during the draft about the opportunity from the first spot to pick, you know, McCaffrey, Metcalf, uh, Jefferson, pick somebody else who you like in ETN, but how do you think things went from there? Um and, and how that draft finished up overall? I think tight end could be a, a little bit of a struggle there for them.
3: Yeah, you mentioned the team nine and going running back heavy. It is interesting that although we probably would have picked different guys, they do have four starting running backs without having taken a running back until round five, which again gives you a little bit of a sense of the depth the position has in 2021. You know, you're just not going to get caught out on points unless you do what we did and just and not draft guys at all. This, this first pick here, you know, we talk about the guy who drafts Christian McCaffrey. Basically, you're just praying that they mess up. From that point right i mean it have such a gigantic lead unfortunately i don't think that they did so you have mccaffrey metcalf jefferson travis Etienne, whom we believe is undervalued and maybe should be going closer to some of those second year guys tyler lockett a little bit trickier guy to play you want the people with russell wilson but you know you're going to get uncomfortable and if you do have some breakout guys then maybe you finally bench lock it after he's had three or four bad games and he scores 40 when he's on the bench in a managed league, maybe he's a little bit less exciting. That may be like a, a tiny mistake, but a wide receiver 21. I mean, Lockett's going to outscore that on the season.
1: I just noticed as well, he has uh, Lockett, Metcalf on Wilson. So he's, he's going all in on that Seahawks passing game.
3: Yeah, so you have Wilson there. I think that's the other arguable mistake, right? I and mean, Russell Wilson, we know, is a star. We know that he can be a fantasy juggernaut in the right situation, but you can probably get those points a lot later put them together he drafts trevor lawrence in round 13 i guess i think trevor lawrence might outscore him this season and so maybe he's given us a little bit of value back there picks Devonte smith we're excited about him but maybe that's a, a tiny reach Er smith tight end breakout aj dylan we absolutely love latavius murray maybe that's a spot where he gives us a tiny bit of production back in the end I think that you have to hope that some of his late guys you know that hope that Terrace Marshall doesn't have a huge season hope that Joshua Kelly doesn't become the goal line back You know, maybe we disagree with some of those later picks but Anthony do you think that he or the Travis Kelsey owner here in the second spot have given us enough value back to feel confident about where we are say in the first month of the season
2: well, I, I mean, I'm just a big positive believer, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say we're, we're, <laughs> that we're feeling that we're feeling good. But I mean, in, in all seriousness, I mean, you mentioned it. I mean, Team One is just starting with such a massive advantage. I, they're gonna have a really good starting lineup to start the year and through those first couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm definitely a little worried about them. Um, I mean, I think that Team Two gave us some value back with the Jacobs pick, with the Montgomery pick. You know, taking running backs in those dead zones taking receivers who maybe don't have the kind of ceiling that that we would look for in like Adam Thielen, um, you know, taking a Tanyan in round seven, who really isn't going to take proper advantage probably of the tight end premium since he's more of a touchdown scorer. So I think we got some some value back from team two, but I'm definitely concerned about team one.
3: How about the the three and four? Are really only the slots that I'm looking at potentially double dipping at running back, if everything falls perfectly, would be you know if you have that pick at the, at the 12 spot and you can go like Barkley Taylor, I think that that's interesting. But if you're in this one of these first four picks, you get this great advantage of a lot of these exciting receivers falling to you. But you could also argue that starting with Dalvin Cook and a Joe Mixon, that starting with Alvin Kamara and a Clyde Edwards-Helaire, Christian McCaffrey, and let's say you take a DeAndre Swift that because of where you are in the draft order and because of the option that you get then of taking wide receivers for like the next 10 picks which these teams didn't avail themselves of but that you could go that route does anything about a Kamara Edwards alaire starting uh two round start appeal to you
2: well there's certainly a lot of upside there right I mean Kamara is probably going to see uh hopefully a little bit more targets the first few weeks of the season with Thomas out um, you know we know that he He showed us a huge ceiling weekly last year. Edwards Lair is getting that same access to the Chiefs running, uh, the Chiefs offense that we love. So, I mean, there's something to be said for that. There's something to be said for the Cook-Mixon start as well. I think that they're very similar. I I, honestly, like, I'm a little – I kind of wish that – I mean, Team 4, we calm had noted, started the draft on auto draft. And I, I kind of wish that they had come back, like, right before that Edmonds pick and had been able to just like pound receiver, like I would have been really interested to see what that team looks like because you start cook, you start mixing. Okay. You have your two running backs. They, you know, you project them to get a lot of touches. Then you come back with AJ Brown in round three, still got Jamar chase in round five. Like these are high upside receiver targets, I think. Um, So if they had continued to kind of press that, you know, press that at receiver and picked up some of these other guys that we love. In the mid rounds, like you know, they I think would have put together a really really competitive team, Um, but unfortunately, he did not come back until round ten, and that, you know, by then I think the damage had kind of been done to the roster.
1: Yeah, I think it's come out. It has come out well. And uh, me and Sean after the other drafts, we've kind of talked through them, and we've kind of we've had a lot more things that we would have probably changed based on players just going a couple of picks ahead or a pick ahead. So uh, pretty good here. So Anthony, hopefully, as we progress through the season, we'll be getting updates. Uh, Throughout this on the the road of his overtime podcast, and hopefully we'll be talking about how we're cruising towards that uh, top prize of uh, five hundred thousand uh, dollars, which would be would be a lot of fun. But this has been phenomenal uh drafting along here with you. It's been a lot of fun. We got our dream eleventh spot. We got our kind of dream scenario with the players we ended up with, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. So thanks for for joining us.
2: Yeah, I mean, I really appreciate you guys having me. This is kind of like. Uh this has been on the, on the list for me for a while. I get to do a draft with you guys, so I'm happy we were able to do it today. And, uh, I mean, could not have asked for, for a better team and a more on-brand team.
3: Absolutely fantastic. It was so much fun to have you. Tell our listeners what you're doing, what they can expect from you in the near term, and where to find you.
2: Yeah, I mean, right now, you can find me on Twitter at Amixta. Uh, I have projections and um, rankings over at Football Guys at Establish the Run, I have been doing the Dynasty content of replacing the great Pat Corrine, um, so you can find all of that stuff there, and then uh, I have my substack, amiksta.substack.com. That's kind of where a lot of my redraft content has been, just uh, various thoughts and musings. We've been kind of hammering the NBA draft, which is a little bit of a, of a you know, a pivot point for me for the content, but you know, we're getting right back to football now that we're into August, so uh, you know, be tuned for a bunch of that stuff.
3: So, Colin, it's the middle of the night now where you are. This is your Friday night party. We <laughs> better wrap it up. But it has been an absolute blast.
1: Once again, thanks to everyone who has listened into this draft. It was split into five parts. If you haven't heard the other parts, head back and listen to them. I really, really enjoyed this draft. Um, one of my favorites to do over the last couple of years. I, I say this every time. Love doing these drafts. Love co-host, co-owning host co teams love sharing the podcast with the the listeners but this particular one i think was uh was extremely enjoyable um part of that's down to uh knowing anthony for a long time part of that's down to um how the draft played out from that 11th spot we mentioned it in the very first episode sometimes when you're at the back end of the round those players don't fall to you but in this one it kind of broke uh, in our favor thankfully so hopefully that leads to success as the season goes along if you have enjoyed the series, please make sure you are subscribed to the Road of His Overtime podcast feed wherever you listen to podcasts. Drop us a written and review. They are much appreciated. We do enjoy reading through those. Thank you very much. And uh, as always, uh, we will have more podcast content coming your way. If you're listening to this on the week it released, I think we have seven straight days of shows, these shows, and then uh, actually it might be eight straight days of shows by the time things all play out because there was five of these, three OT podcasts, so eight shows, back-to-back days, getting you set up for the season. So hopefully you are enjoying all the content we're bringing your way. Uh, As always you can save yourself that 10% on a Rotoviz NFL pass as well if you wish and you can add the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout or go to rotobiz.com forward slash podcast for more information. As I mentioned before our co-drafter on this here edition was Anthony Amico. Hopefully you will go over and give him a follow if you aren't already on Twitter. It is at a mixta you can follow me on twitter at Overtime ireland and as always sean is not uh, active on the the twitter sphere so you can check out his work up on rotaviz.com. until we're back with another episode of rotoviz overtime have a good one